Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada, here with Dan Rudman. We are going to breach a topic, ongoing discussion, who knows how many episodes this will turn out to be on revival. And obviously, if you have been paying attention to the news or to Christian news, and I mean, it's been on the news, like the big time news too, this Asbury revival. And we don't really want to talk a lot about the Asbury revival. We'll, we'll kind of use it as a kind of a launching board, springboard into just more of a biblical, theological, historical discussion on revival. Like what is revival, biblically speaking? Let's study the history of revival and these these revivals that, you know, especially took place in the second and first great awakenings and things like that. So that's really where, where we want to go. We want to be we want to go more the biblical and historical route with this series. But nonetheless, yeah, we're 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 breaching this series or starting this series, I guess because everybody right now is thinking about revival. Uh, due to the fact that there's this Asbury revival that just kind of took place. And if I got my dates right, it started on February 8th, and it went two weeks long. And you've probably read about it or watched videos about it at a 10 a.m. Asbury Chapel um, you know, meeting. You know, Every seminary or Christian school usually has a couple chapel services during the week, and there's usually, you know, music and, and a sermon. And so uh, at this chapel, you know, that took place on February 8th, a guy preached a sermon. I think he was probably their campus minister or something like that and campus chaplain and preached a sermon on Romans 12. Wasn't anything flashy or crazy at all. Nothing wrong about the sermon. Pretty generic. Love your neighbor type stuff. And then kind of invited people to come up to the altar and pray and things like that and just didn't stop. So two weeks go by and and the the really the uh, the president and the administration at the seminary had to say, you know, okay, let's let's bring it to an end. And in that two weeks, I think over fifty thousand people showed up to Asbury <laughs> to be a part of the revival. Uh, and so it was this big, big, big thing. And that just brings all these questions. Well, was it, you know, everybody wants to know it and everybody's asking, well, was it, was it real? Was it, was it authentic? Was it an authentic revival? And that obviously then brings up all these discussions. Well, what even is an authentic revival? What is the standard by which we weigh a true revival from a false revival? What's going on? How do you judge that? Can we even judge that? Should we even judge it? Um, is it okay to be skeptical? Is it okay to just wait, you know, a bit to see what the fruit of this is? And all these things, all these questions certainly rush into our minds. So the cool thing is, you know, you guys, if you've listened to us before and know us personally, the ministry that we work with, um, Ambassadors for Christ International, certainly has... We, we, we have been connected, historically speaking, to revival-type ministry. Um, heck, even in our, our mission statement, we seek revival in the church. We do training or do evangelism through the church and provide training for the church worldwide. So we even use the word revival in our actual mission statement. So 
and and plenty of our guys, you know, for the last you know, fifty years of our ministry, have done revival type things, or you know, preached on revival or taught on revival. You, Dan, have put together a, a big lesson in, in in teaching class thing on on revival. So it's something that our ministry has certainly been connected to, mm-hmm. and and have has thought about. And made it an aspect of our of our ministry in a sense. So, really, then, I kind of want to just you know dig into your brain and into your study that you've done. Yeah. And actually, just have more of a a, a discussion for yeah. a few episodes on revival. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And today, maybe um, a little more introductory. Right. I don't know if I would use the word anecdotal, but maybe a little bit some of my experience and thoughts about it. Yeah. I don't mind sharing some of that. Again, just general thoughts, but since everybody's talking about it. So, um, yeah, you know, if I go back, um, so I've been in Christian ministry um, just shy of 40 years, 35 years. And um, a few years into ministry, um, I was exposed to this whole discussion. Oh, let me step back. I didn't really come from a church background. Not that I didn't sometimes go to church as a kid here and there, you know, Christmas, Easter, but but I really didn't understand the church. I didn't understand the gospel, knew nothing of theology, yeah. really, really, you know, until my 20s. And then I came to faith in Christ and all that, you know, obviously God did a great thing there and everything changed. And so it was, I was probably in my 30s, so say 25 years ago, 30 years ago, when I started hearing about this revival stuff. Yeah. And uh, it, it really intrigued me. And one of the things I was early on exposed to was a guy that talked about this. He used this term. Um, we are a nation that is revival illiterate, is what he would say. It was interesting. I, I went to a seminar, and he's talking about revival. And his point was is that while we use the word and people use the word and talked about it, and again, this was probably 30 years ago. Um, they haven't really spent the time to study it and understand what it is, you know, biblically, historically. And so people throw the word around a lot. There's like almost a revival culture in right. certain more charismatic streams and stuff. And it's like, okay, but what do we mean? And so um, that really intrigued me, and I began to, if you will, spend time studying that. Yeah. And so in my journey, my Christian life, you know, there's different times where I've studied more in-depth particular things you kind of become a little more in the know of certain things. And so I certainly wouldn't want to sit here and say, oh, I'm this uh, specialist in that. But I did spend a lot of time studying, I will yeah, say yeah. that. And I developed a bit of a library. I was actually knowing I was coming this morning. I was looking last night. I probably had more oh, easily 30 to 40, say, books. History. history on revival. Uh, on revival. And then another, gosh, shelves full of devotional stuff. Written right. in the terms of revival and prayer and repentance and journals on revival. Yeah, a lot of old dead guys talking about revival. So, so I, I immersed myself in that for a number of years, mm. and, and and so I began to preach and teach on that um, in a number of settings, mm. um, uh, campus settings, church settings, and what what I was after was was and it kind of goes a little bit with life and ministry for me is I was after the real deal. If I can mm. say that. What's what's real here? Is this real? Because certainly when you would read about it, there would be things you'd go, hmm, I wonder if that was like what was really going on here. Yeah. And so, you know, I certainly was preaching and teaching on it because I came to the conclusion that this idea of revival, that is, if I said it this way, um, the manifest presence of God showing up 
with a, a, a group of people or a church at a moment in time mm-hmm. in history, kind of a heightened awareness of God, mm-hmm. a heightened awareness, and, and it seems to be a, this supernatural moment. Yeah. And, and again, it's a little hard to qualify all the time, but it seemed real. Yeah. You could see it. You could see it. And particularly, we think, at least in the West here in America, we think of the first Great Awakening and the second Great Awakening. Mm-hmm. So the first under, you know, Jonathan Edwards was a big name there. Say mid mid you know mid to early 1700s, 1740, right. 17 right in there, and then a hundred years later, mid 1800s. Yep, you had this thing called the Second Great Awakening, and there's lots of uh, muddy water. Mm-hmm. There is. There's lots of you know, good and bad, if you want to say it that way, thoughts. So anyway, looking into that, I guess my point was is that it seems to me, um, and maybe we should jump to the scriptures pretty quick here, um, that there is this reality. Of, of God showing up and doing yeah, things. Yeah, it's something that actually happens. Yeah. It can happen. Yeah, it can happen. And yeah. so I don't want to, th- I, I don't dismiss that. Yeah. But um, I, I came at it very cautiously because I saw some things that, that people would call revival and I'd go, I don't know if that really is that. Mm. Um, maybe it is. Um, so certainly um, one of the guys, well, we were talking about this last week or so, Kevin DeYoung did a recent thing in his podcast on this, and I liked it because same thing. He he was saying, "Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna weigh in." Yeah, right. That's what he said. I'm not gonna weigh in uh, entirely on Asbury. Yeah, because is it or is it not? And and you and I have already talked about this. Like, like certainly God, God's. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's people that have been converted, probably somewhere in that whole thing. When you think of Asbury, you think of it went to Cedarville and went to was it Lee University? It's you know, there's this thing happening all over these places. Yeah, is God doing something? Well, sure, God does stuff all the time, and and I don't want to dismiss that. And there's probably some real repentance, and there's some things going on in people's lives. Who am I to sit here with you in an office, Sam, and figure evaluate all that? Right. I, I just I can't. I really can't. I mean, I'm like, and I'm not even going to try to. I'm not going to sit here. Um, but I do think we need to. Step back, step back, and I want to have this sober yeah. kind of appraisal. And let's talk about it. Yeah. And so Kevin DeYoung did a great job. He said, okay, one place that's clear in Scripture is Josiah. Oh, yeah. You could probably call that a revival. It looks like God showed up, okay? And he he highlighted these five things that mm-hmm. were very clear amongst these people. that There was a preaching of the Word. It was heavy on the Word. There was a fear of God. Yep. So they saw their sins rightly. In yeah. contrast to the holiness of God, uh, that that resulted in a confession and a repentance. Mm-hmm. You know, confession and right. Um, uh, fourth was a renewed spiritual commitment. Yep, there was this public commitment. Public. It was covenant. corporate. Corporate, was corporate commitment. People could see covenant. It. I'm in it. Yep. We're, we're, and then a reformation of their life. Reformation of piety, as he called it. You know, living what they profess. Change from the past. Move to new. Practice. Yeah, this is where you, let's go burn our idols. Yeah, 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 yeah. Burn, let's burn, and, and 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 that would even go, Sam. See, so then when you start talking about revival in the Bible, what could you find other places? Well, there's Josiah. You could think about under Nehemiah. You know, when you know Ezra and Nehemiah, when all of a sudden they stood up and said, "Hey, wait, you married a bunch of pagan yeah. women, and you shouldn't have." And there's a whole bunch going on there. Some people, some people classify Acts 2, Pentecost as revival. Yes, the whole thing. Because again, when we read, you're reading Acts, you have to realize that's a period, a short period of time, actually. It's yeah. a, you know, a, few, a, a decade or so, you know, and of things happening. And so, yes, there could be a discussion of calling that some type of an awakening revival. It seems to be a very clear time that God's presence came, right, and did, yeah. did something. That's, that's the point. You could talk about um, uh, um, Jonah and Nineveh. Yeah. There seems to be something happening there. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Those are yeah. things that you can kind There's of look at. There's some overlap between these occurrences, and yet, 
I think this is where people get confused too. Is revival, is revival like a mass conversion of non-believers? Yes. Or is revival an awakening of, of yes. Yes. kind of lethargic? See, and that's where backsliding this, Christians, right? And that's where <laughs> going all the way back. I'm telling you, in my seminal moments when I heard this revival illiterate, I'm like, yeah. okay, so we need to define this. Yeah. And I can't pretend that my definition is perfect for everybody. I mean, right. I, I want to try to, you know, get there, but somebody else may think of it differently. But yes, revival, technically, the word revive means to make live again. Yeah. So technically, you would see this as a movement in the church, mm-hmm. a movement on God's people mm-hmm. that, that, that brings them back to a, a vibrant... And you see it mainly in the Old Testament. It's not... Revival isn't a, isn't a, a biblical word. Right. You don't see you, it. You do see a verb in the Old Testament that you would translate as revive. Yeah. Or make alive. Yeah, make alive. Right. Yeah. So it seems to be Christians who need to be made alive. Now, yep. with that said, um, this is where it gets messy is because certainly uh, we would say as we get into our, our New Testament in the, in the church era that there's a bunch of people gathered and some of those people may not really be converted. Mm-hmm. So and then conversion so, happens. So, yeah. so on one hand, there's the real regenerated person there that's going, wow, I've been dull to the Lord and yeah. I need to get back and step with the spirit and step with God, confess my sin and get right with God. That can, that can be true. Yeah. But in some cases, those people are actually converted, right? It's mm-hmm. the first time they've actually been regenerated. Mm-hmm. I think that can happen. Mm-hmm. So there again, how do you, how do you uh, right. quantify, qualify all of that? Yeah. You know, even as we're sitting here, you're, you're kind of yeah, my hands are in the air. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't. I'm being honest. Like I don't. But I still believe there's this there's this reality that God's yeah. presence, yeah. we call it his manifest presence, comes out of people at a particular time and does this great work in a very um, concentrated way. Yeah. And then uh, there's this spillover of that into uh, their lives, their families, their community, yep. the civic s- society around them. Yep. We see this. And that's where you could say that then tends to lead to... Uh, more evangelism, conversion of yes, now, yes. on the periphery. Right. So, you know, there's different words people could use in it. They'll, they will use the word awakening and they'll try to do a nuance and they'll use the word revival and a nuance. Or revitalization. Revitalization. Or reformation. Or reformation. See, all those words. Yep. And it depends on who you're talking to. That's yeah. what I mean. So you have to kind of say, okay, when we talk about it, what do we mean? And yeah. maybe in the future, Sam, like that's what I do. So my point in all that is I began to study that and say, okay, how do I help people understand this? Yeah, and yeah. I actually, at one point, you know, a, a, pres- a Presbyterian church that I was a member of, um, so it was very uh, astute theological people, yep. if you want to say it that way, um, uh, that loved the Lord. Um, they had me come, and I did a, like a whole semester, like 16 weeks yeah. of what I would call, you know, a biblical, theological, historical survey of revival mm. to try to kind of set some parameters. And at some point, you ha- you or an individual, in my case, would have to say, okay, what do I mean when I say this, right? And, as, and I'm already alluding to some of that. I really do believe that uh, it seems that the presence of God comes on a people. But with that said then, okay, um, what does that mean? It seems to me that some of the things that, that's why I you know, mentioned Kevin DeYoung here, is that if I go back into, say, the first and second great awakening, and I was showing you this book earlier, Sam, uh, this would be an interesting guy. Maybe you could get him on your podcast. We should track him down if he's still, you know, where he's at. His name was Michael Gleason, and he wrote a book, When God Walked on Campus. Very simple, just a simple, brief history of evangelical awakenings on American campuses. 
And what he does, he does a number of beautiful things in this book that I really like. And mm. one, and two things to mention. Uh, first of all, he shows some of the key messages that seem to be preached. Preached. You know, you could see this is a actual message that was preached during the first or second Great Awakening, and and um, you could take that. Now he he obviously has liberty because he's writing about this. There's probably hundreds of messages being preached at any given time in a revival awakening. Which ones do you pick? But he's picking yeah, these yeah. seminal ones that seem to be cent- central to the awakenings. Sure. So he's talking about Timothy Dwight. He's using C.H. Spurgeon, J. Edwin Orr. And the point in that is that that when you look at these, and this is what he highlights in the book, in these awakenings, central were these seriously, biblically, doctrinally, uh, theological add your words to it, (laughs) preaching. It was a serious, solid message. Yeah. It was serious. And it was a calling to something very clearly, you could even say reformational. These were the truths reclaimed in the Reformation, Mm. really. Yeah. Okay? And so it was biblical. It was a calling to repentance of sin. It was a calling of of restitution, making everything right with your your fellow man, um, testifying about the work that God's doing in you publicly. Yeah. That was always part of it. That was part of you know the Welsh revivals. A lot of these things, um, and so what he—that's the one thing that uh, Michael Gleason does. The other thing he does is he does a, a pretty straightforward, simple chart that I don't mind mentioning right now. What he calls word-centered revivals versus experience-centered revivals, Ooh. and this is again in 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 I would just you know this is preach and persuade podcast and. And I began to really see this. I'm like, well, wait, I mean, I want the real deal. Yeah. Right? That's all. I just want the real deal. That's what I'm looking for. Okay? And so I don't want to dismiss that people have experiences with God. Uh, you know, we've talked about that in podcasts, too. Like, you know, you go to other countries and people have these experiences and God's big and he can do all sorts of things. And I don't want to dismiss that. But I know that he's clearly spoken in his yep. word and I want to center things there. So if I just w- look at this chart quick. Um, okay? So you think of word center. It's an in-depth spirit anointing preaching and teaching. They're central in large and small group meetings that produce confession, prayer, and praise. Such teaching is aimed at the restoration of the Christian community to the great biblical truths that have um, been long neglected. Mm. And I would even say uh, the great biblical truths that traditionally you see in the history, 2,000 years of church history of the church. Yeah. The central key doctrines of yeah. the Christian faith. Yeah. And again, they were reclaimed in the Reformation. Right. Okay. Five solas. High view yeah. of God. Yeah, the solas. Yep. High view of scripture, high view of God, high view of uh, salvation by, you know, uh, uh, by grace through faith. Yep. Uh, high view of honestly holiness. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait a minute. We're dealing with God here. Yep. We don't, we don't get to dabble with this. Um, so he, he highlights that as the majestic attributes of God, Christ and the Holy Spirit, justification by faith alone, the characteristic of genuine repentance and authentic conversion, disciplined prayer, practicing the faith through service, evangelism, and missions. That's always the outflow. Yeah, yeah. It happens, okay. And then uh, conversions are often numerous and are often nurtured through biblically small groups. A lot of discipleship going on. If you want to use that word, a yeah. lot of like, like catechesis, a lot of development of, of yep. teaching and theology and discipleship. Uh, the seeking of God becomes central, and historically they endure a long time, restore the church to certain great biblical truths, and produce long range moral and social improvements, even on the society around the church. Mm. Uh, the first great awakening is an excellent example of a word center revival. Now, that's right off of Michael Gleason's chart in his book. Now, in contrast to that, then, he talks about experience. Yeah, yeah. Confession, prayer, and praise are central elements in large and small groups. Teaching at such gatherings frequently lacks depth and substance. Mm. 
Conversions seem numerous with tragically little follow-up a lot of times. So there's this real experience. Yep. People talk about these experiences, but then if you were to track down these experiences over time, it seems like dwindles away. So yep. we could we could talk Second Great Awakening, and we could use the contrast there of a man by the name of Asahel Nettleton. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get to that in future podcasts. In contrast to Charles Finney. Yep. Right. What we call the burned over district. Charles Finney, you know, going stadiums, have all these, you know, what was called the anxious seat, all these quote unquote decisions for Christ. But then you'd come back through there a few years later and nothing happened. What's going on here? Yep. Okay. Was there a real conversion there, even under Finney? Well, sure. But there's all this other stuff that you got to go, what's that? What's going on here? And then uh, often the seeking revival experiences become the goal of the participants. That's an interesting thing. Mm. You hear a lot of people, I want to feel the spirit. I want to have this experience. So people flock to have this experience. <laughs> mm, uh, sounds familiar. I want to be careful here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So historically, they last briefly and abruptly and are comparatively devoid of long-term reformation. Such was the case of the Welsh Revival in 1904, the Jesus People Revival in 71, and yeah. the mi- minor collegiate revivals of 1995. Yeah. Okay, so this was written uh, 20 years ago. So um, the point is, is, I just want to touch on that. Yeah, and so... Coming back to myself, you know, I was after something real, and I wanted to see what the real deal is. So I'm just saying today that I, depending how you want to define it, I actually think in history we can see these places where God did something. Yeah. And then I say that the ones that seem to be really clear and authentic seem to be really grounded in the Word, grounded in a real understanding of God, of man's sin, a genuine repentance that even becomes public. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a change in these people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, you know, in uh, 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 an outward practice that, that changes. Yeah. And then there's an overflow of, you say, mission and evangelism in those types of right. things. And, of course, maybe I, I didn't say it earlier. That's probably That was another intrigue I had probably of revival because um, I would say, we say in this podcast a lot, that biblically speaking, historically speaking, I think you would call me an evangelist. And so I had this real burden about evangelism. And I thought, oh, wow. When this stuff happens, it seems like there's lots of evangelism going on. Is that cool? Right. So that's really kind of how I, I, I entered that world, if you want yeah, to say it yeah. that way. And I thought, hmm, so when Ravi, oh, that'd be cool. you know. So, so with that said then, um, over a number of years, I was preaching a lot on revival and awakening. And, uh, and maybe I can kind of pull this together here quickly. Uh, there are people today that heard me, say, 15, 20 years ago, preaching and teaching on this a lot, college campuses, yeah. Uh, not just a class I did, but literally, you know, my sermons, you know, were a lot of revival kind of stuff. And I've had literally in my lifetime people say, hey, you don't talk about that as much as you used to. <laughs> and here's, here's, here's what the deal was for me, okay? There's two or three things. One is um, I began to realize that one of the key things, okay, so here's how I'd say it. It's like we stack up the firewood. Uh, maybe other people have used this analogy too, so it's not, you know— original with me. But we stack up the firewood and we long for God to do a work. I feel the same way about conversion. Like, I can't convert anybody. Right, right, right. You know, I can't convert my own kids. I mean, you can't. God has to do a supernatural work in the heart of people. But I can pray. I can preach the truth, the biblical truth. I can pray it with conviction. I can pray it with, we can can talk about unction that gets into the spiritual thing, but it is unction, this idea like I'm walking there's a fire in my gut because I, not just emotionally, yeah, but because yeah. I really am walking with God and he stirs me up about this. And, and people can see that, yep. you know. I preached that at a church recently. It was interesting. You know, Benjamin Franklin, um, he was not, not a Christian. He was a deist, and, uh, from what I understand. And uh, 
he was going and listening to Whitfield. And oh, yeah, heard yeah, this yeah. State. It's a, it's a it's fun statement, but yeah. it's like it's like his friends were like, "Why are you going to listen to George Whitfield?" I mean, like you, you don't, don't believe you don't, you don't believe that. And Franklin's like, "Yeah, but he does." Yeah, <laughs> and you can see it. Yeah, you can see it. this guy believed this stuff. Yeah, and so there's something about that. Okay, so I'm losing my train of thought. Oh, conversion. So I can't make conversion happen. I can set up the firewood. Yeah, I can do, I can use say means of grace that God gives me. And preach that and call people to respond. Yep. And a whole bunch of people respond. Maybe nobody will seem to respond. That's God's business, though. Yeah, yeah. So I feel the same way about revival and awakening. So when you start looking at stacking up the firewood, it's a preaching of these great doctrines. Mm. And let's just go to the repentance mode, mode here. Then you have to ask the question, if we're dealing with the holiness of God, what do we mean by repentance? Yeah. Repent of what? Yeah. Right, And what I began to realize is that I would say today one of the fundamental flaws in our evangelical world, the fundamental sin at the ground zero of much of what we're dealing with, really is an understanding of something that Francis Schaeffer was making a big deal about in 70. I stumbled into Schaeffer going, yeah, he's saying it. You know, and that's why I kind of fell in love with Schaeffer for a variety of reasons. But yeah. this was one of those things that I'm always beating. And it's not, I don't, I'd like to think at least that I'm not beating it. You know, sometimes people beat things, um, you know, if all you have is a hammer, every problem is a nail. Yeah. You know, and I, I hope it's not that way for me, but I actually believe this is the issue, is that you have to start all of your discussions with the fact of you've been studying it, even philosophically, you call it metaphysics. What is your original domino, your original presupposition, the ultimate reality that begins all things? Mm -hmm. And I say it's the personal, infinite, triune God. Amen. I mean, it has to be. God, God exists. And I'm talking about not the concept of God, the theory of God, the word of God. I'm talking about God actually exists. Yeah. And that's real. Yeah. And then secondly, you can't separate this one, I don't believe, because of who God is, because he's personal. He communicates. Mm -hmm. So verse 3 of your, right in the beginning of your Bible, he spoke all things into existence. Mm. You know, John 1, the word. You know, he <laughs> there's this communication. God speaks. Yeah. And so... Again, you know, I mentioned Schaefer, but he was always hitting this. Like, you know, even his books, God is God is there and he's not silent kind of idea. It's like, no, 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 you have to start that God actually exists and he speaks, he communicates, okay? So my point in that then becomes what I saw culturally going on is this loss of what we could term authority. Mm. People were not starting with their scriptures. They were bringing in all sorts of other ideas, sociology, psychology, political science, yep. experience, and coming up with some kind of a theological churchy something yeah that I'm going but this isn't grounded in God this isn't if you started with God and that he spoke you wouldn't arrive at this conclusion mm. that a theological conclusion for example like like you wouldn't be entertaining the idea of this you know marriage being you know I mean, homosexual, the, the, here would be an extreme, gay Christian. Yeah. I say, there's no such thing. It's an oxymoron. Yeah. There's no such thing. There really is no such thing. Okay? Right. If you start like with God circle. and he spoke and you work your thing, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a square circle. Right. It just doesn't exist. Or a married bachelor. No. So people want to say there is, and then they camp on that. But I'm like, but if you started with God and you worked, started with God as your first domino and your second domino is that he spoke... And then you work through true interpretation and translation of the scripture. And I know that there's issues that Christians can disagree some on certain things. But there's some that are just, no, you can't deviate from this. Okay. Right. And so what I began to realize is that, and I hope this isn't getting lost in the in the weeds here, 
is that the repentance of our day is this very thing mm. of, of are we going to start with God and his word? Mm. Or are we going to bring in all these other ideas? Yeah. And with the minute we begin to bring in all these other days, you're, you're not starting with God's word. So what are we to repent of? Right. Well, so all of a sudden we're talking about, um, you know, we call it CRT, but actually at the end of the day, CRT, social justice, you know, uh, what's the other words we could throw at that, Sam? Wokeness. You know, the whoa, wokeness, all that. At the end of the day, that's just Marxism. It's just Marxism. It's Marxism, <laughs> which is an ideology, an, an ism, an ideology that does not come from God and he spoke. Right. And so there needs to be a repentance there of that. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the LGBTQ, homosexuality, transgender. All you wouldn't, uh, the marriage, marriage, that whole thing, you would not end up there. Abortion. You, you couldn't even end up there if you start with God and his word. <laughs> right. I mean, you and I did a whole 20 some hours on um, uh, biblical masculinity and femininity. Yep. Right? If you start with God and say, okay, let's just see what God says about this, it's really clear. Mm. It's really clear. Yeah, we talked about that. There can be some nuances here and there that you, okay, how do I play this out in my life and in my culture? Yeah, yeah. You know, but, but fundamentally, right. a systematic, a biblical theology, it's so clear. Yeah. And so that's, so I began to realize that that's the thing that I needed to preach and teach and emphasize that people would repent mm. of an errant view of those kinds of things. Yeah. And so that's why the last 15 to 20 years, I've spent most of my time preaching on those issues, not just because I have a hammer and there's every problem is a nail. It's because it is the issue of the day to me. Right. So I told you, we did a podcast recently that's going to probably be posted before this. I was just, you know, in another state mm -hmm. having a conversation with people again. And I remember sitting there with a, a group of missions people and they wondered why I could be effective in another culture. And I talked about preaching the word and they said, well, you have to understand that your Bible was translated by... By white European males. And this is an evangelical, solid, these people were international missions people. And yeah, you're over there chuckling, but, but you see what they're actually saying. They're saying, I can't trust my Bible. And then they wanted me to read these three books. So I would be equipped to go to this other culture in the other part of the world. You've been there with me, Sam. And the three books were written by, so I knew, I knew it before I even got the books. They shipped me these books. Why don't you read these books before we will, you know, get behind you. Okay. And I want to be teachable. But right away, I thought, oh, they're going to be sociologists. Sure enough, that's yeah, what they yeah, were. Yeah. I'm not saying that sociologists, we've talked about this, didn't, don't come up with some data points that are interesting and some things we can learn from. It's not my point. But my point is, is I actually believe that I can go and walk with God and preach his word, and God will use that as his ordained means to touch the world. Yeah. Right? And the very fact that they were saying that is my point. That's what needs to be repented of. Yeah. Do you see my point? Oh, yeah. So I got into this. So one other uh, marked, marked place that this happened then is in the early 2000, 2006, I was invited with 55 other, um, I'll call them leaders. We were Christian leaders from around the country that kind of had stuff that we would do stuff on campuses. Some of them were big-time campus leaders. I mean, clearly campus leaders. I do a lot of ministry on campuses. I have, I mean, it, because I was invited to come and preach and teach, but it's not like I have a quote unquote campus ministry. Right, right. Makes sense. I'm, I'm an itinerant guy. The same week I would go preach on a campus, I'd be preaching in the jail. Yep. I'd be meeting with business guys or trades guys in a warehouse teaching a Bible study. So I'm just saying my ministry is broad like that, but I did have an influence on a campus and somehow people knew that somewhere. So I was invited. And there was this conference on campus revival and awakening. It was hosted not by 
Yale, but at Yale, and it was hosted by another ministry here in the country. And what they were trying to do is create some kind of a uh, environmental greenhouse effect or something where they brought people from different walks of life and mm-hmm. even some different theological strands, different types of evangelicalism together yep. for a week to talk about revival and awakening. And before we came, we read some books, including Michael Gleason's book and some other really solid books on revival and awakening. They were actually some really good stuff. And then the discussion that week was to have about this revival and awakening. And during the week, we had a lot of prayer, and we had a lot of uh, a couple days of fasting and a lot of discussion about what happened in revival and awakening. But I found the whole week very interesting. On one hand, there was one particular guy that was a participant, just like the rest of us. Yeah. But the first day, I kind of noticed him working the room. He was just a participant. And I'll just let it go at that. I was watching him. I just I'm observed of these things. And I would watch him work the room. And by the, maybe the third or fourth day, he was up front. <laughs> he was never sk- slated to be an upfront guy, but he's up front now. And he's leading this charge about prayer and revival. And he's trying to get people to speak in tongues and get healed. Yeah. And Again, I'm not, I'm not even trying to weigh in and all that now, but it was really weird because he literally at one point was like, if you don't believe this, if you think these things have ceased, you need to get out of here. And just, I mean, he is just driving this thing with this great f- energy, <laughs> you know. And again, if I mention the people that were in that room, guys, there's some notable names. I mean, I realize it was uh, 15 years ago, but it was pretty notable names. Yeah. In a variety of different walks of life. And so, first of all, I was like, ah, I wasn't comfortable with that at all. Yeah. And then the, the, the real, th- and so this week the discussion was all about unity. We need to have unity. We have unity. That became another interesting thing to me because I'm like, what do you mean by that? All right. Like we all agree. So the central, here's the thing. We were trying to center as a group of people from some really different theological persuasions. I mean, some that I really literally have a lot of question about. And the central centrality that this one particular ministry that brought us all together was trying to have was the centrality of revival, mm. trying to bring this together in a unity. We have unity. So this whole week is talking about unity, and we have this unity, and people are talking about this unity. And, of course, we all got along, and we were all civil, so I guess that was unity. And you can hear my <laughs> suspicion in that. Because what happened was there was another person, another well, it was a gal, that got up and had this really fiery prayer time for us one morning, leading in prayer. And, you know, real fiery, and it was really, you know, I mean, it was fine, and we were just praying. But it was interesting because the last day the conference is done, I'm going to the uh, airport on a shuttle with this gal. She's from a particular denomination that I knew a little bit about, and I and I got a couple points of conversation that didn't go real well. Yeah, yeah. Here, and and I, I was like, wow. So the first one was, was we're driving out of Yale, and you're looking on these buildings, and you're seeing – you know, these beautiful architecture. And on the architecture is like, in many cases, like the Bible. Right. And I don't remember everything he said, but Veritas, Truth, you know, it's yep. up there. And I said, isn't that interesting? I said, here, these buildings have this, you know, Bible, and so centered in the Bible. And here we go back to the awakenings. By the way, that's why that ministry held it at Yale, it was to kind of a historic, hey, this stuff happened here. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I said, isn't that interesting? And I said, and, 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 and it's such a loss now. That's, uh, you know, not going on here. You know, it's just the loss of the grounding of this. And remember, we were together that we supposedly read the same books. And so supposedly on the same page. Yeah, yeah. And she immediately said, you know, I've heard a lot of people say stuff like that this week. Um, 
And I don't understand that. She says, I know people that are involved in ministry here at Yale, and they say there's some wonderful unity things happening. There's Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus and, and Christians all getting together, and it's just an extraordinary thing that's going on here. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute here. Okay, right? I hope other people Put on the bricks. podcast recognize what I'm seeing. Like, wait a minute, what what is this? So that was one thing. And then the next thing was we began to talk about the division and the denomination she was part of. She was part of the denomination that had a big split, and numerous splits. And I said, what do you think that's about? And she said, well, it has to do with uh, – she, she literally told me she had, it has to do with women in ministry. Yeah. I said, okay. And I said – and she starts, you know, decrying the fact that, you know, certain people would think women should not be pastors and such. And if you listen to our podcast, you're going to know where we weigh in on that because the Bible seems really black and white and clear on that. But um, uh, what, what I found interesting was, and I know this line, by the way. I'm going to say the line, mm. but I know where it comes from. And right away I said, well, what do you do with it? You know, I began to talk about Corinthians, a few of the passages that deal with this stuff. And she says, well, that's what Paul said. Yeah, yeah. Now, as soon as you hear, that's what Paul said, you realize that what they they don't that person does not believe that that my scriptures, my sixty six books put together, that this whole thing is the word of God. Yeah, God breathed. God breathed. They're picking and choosing what they think is <clears throat> what God said, mm-hmm. and so that's what Paul said. And the minute somebody says that, it's just like saying my Bible was translated by white European males. Right. They have lost the authority of scripture. Yep. Does that make sense? And that, I'm sitting there going to the plane after spending an entire week with this woman and a whole bunch of other people going, we're not on the same page. No. I'll not never, even never forget it. And now that didn't rock my world. I right. still stayed involved with those people and did a few other things. But I realized, wait a minute. We talked all this week about historic awakening, grounded in the word, grounded in repentance, <laughs> grounded in these things. And here's somebody that was here all this week, and they have a completely different perspective. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I thought of the words, uh, again, we brought this up. It's such a cool quote by Rosaria Butterfield when she was talking with yeah. some stuff the last few years. And she said, you know, you think we're walking or we're, 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 we're looking at tree, walking through a forest, looking at trees at different angles. Yeah. But I find myself walking in a completely different forest. Right. That was me there. Mm. I thought, I want revival and awakening. I want the real thing. Mm-hmm. And even now, all the stuff that's going on, I hope there's some kids college kids that are actually experiencing some really cool things with God. I actually do. Yeah. And I, I don't want to dismiss that that could be. Right. And, I, and But I want it to be real. Yeah. I, I don't want it to mock the name of Christ. I don't want people going, oh, Ben, there, done that. Yeah. We've seen that. We, oh, that yeah. I mean, and that is a common, another common theme that I wonder if some, I, I don't want to say older, just older, but I've listened to some reviews the last few days. And I, I again, I'm very hesitant on a podcast to mention names, but I will. I will say this: I think Alyssa Childers is it Childers? Is that how they I pronounce think, it? I think that's right. I think she's spot on. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, I think she's spot on. I think she's asking the right questions. I actually do. And so, if you want to look at reviews, but she's getting blasted for asking questions, I mean, <laughs> and she's asking the real questions. She says the same thing: I want the real thing, but but her concern is, for example, this would be something. People, I don't know what age, Sam, you're 26, maybe you're familiar with this, but I talk to people 40, 50, 60 that sometimes don't even know this is going on with younger generation. Right. But there are young generation that come in some of these campus ministries or even high school ministries, and they have these big camps in the summer, and they make these decisions for Christ. And you get with these people, they're mid-20s now, they walk away from the faith, yep. and they literally said, oh, been there, done that. I tried that. And it was nice for a period of time, but yep. I'm done with that. 
And it's like, where did they get the idea that that's even Christianity? Uh, yeah. See what I'm saying? It's yeah. really bizarre. Yeah. But that's 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 like pretty common. Yep. With this current Generation Z. Yep. Is that what they call it, Generation Z? And so uh, identity. You know, this is this issue of identity. It's not just homosexual behavior. It's identity. So there, I, I, I was listening to one guy that they're interviewing that's a very prominent voice on the on the Asbury thing. And again, I'm not trying to weigh in too deep here, but he, you know, he holds himself as, as a, what he calls a gay Christian. Yeah. And he's actually there at Asbury at the seminary. And a number of these, quote unquote, gay Christians were involved with the worship. Yep. Now, I'm not just crying the whole thing. I'm just saying that... There has to be repentance of the identity. Yeah. Not just the behavior. So he would say, I'm, I'm a celibate gay Christian. Okay. That is inherently unbiblical. Yeah. And it needs to be repented of. The authority of Scripture. Repented of that. So so I mean, maybe a bunch of that feels a little anecdotal. I'm just telling my experience. So yeah. I want the real thing. Yeah. I think it's happened in history. Yeah. But I'm not willing uh, to, to accept something or go somewhere if it's not grounded in the word, the authority of the scriptures, if it's not grounded in repentance, sin, even of, I, I haven't held to a high view of scripture. Even that, yeah. You see, and that's that's what I heard Alyssa uh, Childers kept saying, you know, the, the and I think she's, this is where she's, I think, really got a pulse of this. She kept talking, she said it in two or three times in this one interaction she had about the cultural zeitgeist. Mm. She uses the zeitgeist. There is this movement that people need to understand in the evangelical world that's really um, in the younger generations, you mm-hmm. know, millennial and Z, where there are some really different views, different definitions yeah. of Christianity, of doctrine. They may be using the same word. They mean something different. Mm. And that stuff is the stuff that's the problem. Mm. So when we go back and we talk about, and I've heard, seen this in the interviews, well, you know, Jonathan Edwards said there were, you know, uh, extremes and problems. Okay, but Jonathan Edwards wasn't dealing with what we're dealing with. No. Different definitions of sin, different definitions of immorality, different definitions of... So, again, let me let me go back full circle. I'm not saying, and I don't want to disparage, that maybe God is doing something on these campuses. What do I know? I'm not there. Right. I'm not in those individual lives. And so I trust God's doing something, and there's probably some realities to parts of it. But you can tell I, I'm very... You know, Cautious. Cautious, suspicious, suspicious, maybe even too strong, but I'm very cautious. Yeah. And part of it is because, again, I saw this. So do I still believe it? Do I still believe? So so I think we need to preach the authority of Scripture. I think we right. need to preach true repentance. I think we need to preach what's the Bible say about men and women. Yeah. I think we need to preach these, what, again, I call them reformational doctrines, but they're the key biblical doctrines going back 2,000 years. Right, right. They got, you know, deviated from, and we need to reclaim them. Right. You know, this, the, uh, you know this, the, what we call the solas and, uh, you know, uh, salvation, what salvation really is. It's a work of God. It's not a work of man. It's not you making a decision for Christ per se. It sort of looks like we act. We, we respond, right? We respond to God. We put our turn from our sin. We put our trust in him. But at the end of the day, the only reason you do is because God's done something in you. Yep. And we could have that whole discussion. Somebody would say, oh, you're a Calvinist. No, I'm just a biblical guy. I read my Bible. Yeah. I suppose that could put me in a camp. But that's not the, even the point. We need to be biblical people. So that's a lot of me gabbing away, Sam. So ask questions <laughs> and clarify. Does that make sense? I just want you to no, know no, a little my history exactly because right. I love it. I, I love, I want I want to see revival and awakening. And as you said, our, our ministry, let, yeah. me, let me clarify this. So so our ministry, AFCI, would say that um, our, our mission is to preach Christ 
edify his church and glorify God. And then we would, we would, and again, different ministries use these words. We would say our vision, vision, vision what, we, what we look to, what we long for is a revival in the church, mm. evangelism through the church, training for the church. Yeah. See, that's never changed for me. I want revival in the church. Yeah. I want the name of Christ exalted. I, 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 I long for God to show up. Yep. either in an individual salvation, which I think is a miracle, or a group of people where all of a sudden they're gripped by the reality of God and yeah. what it means to walk with him and praise God, right? So um, anyway, what do you think? Tell me. Get... I thought all that was really amazing and great. Um, yeah, I think thinking about Asbury, um, that's the whole thing. Like we're living in a culture that's so confused that is so misdefining sin and defines sin in in so many diverse and weird ways that that's not grounded in the Bible. Yeah. That when you hear, oh, there's repentance going on, you have to ask the question: repentance of what? Repentance of what? And are are is it is it biblically informed repentance? Is it is it, you know, the Bible says X, Y, and Z is sin, and I'm going to repent of it, and it's actually going to manifest in a changed life. I'm not going to do this or watch this or, uh-huh. you know, whatever it is. So when you hear people saying, oh, there's repentance going on, like it, it's a little bit like scary today because we live, in a, we live in a culture, again, that has been so affected by postmodernism and secularism and, and, and just all the Marxism and all this weird stuff and this weird existential identity stuff. Yep. Very odd. Uh, not grounded in the Bible, where you go to back two, three hundred years, people, even non-Christians, were were kind of on the same page of what is an immoral yeah. or moral life. Yeah, very good. So, so with that, Sam, see, that's the thing I, I want to say too. Is I don't know who's all listening to this podcast, obviously, but you know, I'm I'm in my sixties, and the only yeah. reason, the only reason I'm, I, it's not like I'm this great in the know. Um, but I do seem to have this pulse of of college kids and yeah. people just like that. I hang out with you. You're 26. You fill me in on stuff that I'm like, really? <laughs> I mean, it, but I'm around a lot of guys like you that are astute and smart, you know, yeah. uh, sharp, reading, studying. Um, you know, say from the age of early 20s all the way to 35. So, well, last last fall when we were doing some evangelism, there was a young guy there that's on the college campus. I think he's a junior, sophomore, junior, and he looked at me. He says, "You know what's really cool about you? You're an old guy, but you get us." Mm. And I thought it was interesting. It was actually encouraging me. He said, I said, really? Like, you think I get you? Mm-hmm. But some of it, I don't. So yeah. I'm like, really? You know, I can't even think of some, a good example right now. But it's because I, I hang out with guys and I listen. And, and to your point, this is what's so intriguing to me. So I don't know for sure, but, you know, I heard. Again, I, I'm not there, you guys. So I don't, I don't want to overstate this. And I don't want people to use this as a fact. Right. And we don't want to conflate what one or a few people said yes like the whole- but but you know what is the repentance because there a few years ago there was a huge movement that still is around the woke we could call it woke but you have to understand what's happened we had college kids and college ministers repenting of their whiteness <laughs> repenting that literally you know, literally we, videos on youtube i mean yes we go were, back to youtube and, and go back yeah, to yeah, the riots we're, we're, and the repent- george floyd thing like Re- white christians yes you know quote-unquote christians on their knees yes. before like a group of black people repenting of their whiteness to the black people. Yes. And you go, 
that is the most satanic thing I've ever seen in my yeah, life. See, it's still and that's still going on. I heard yeah. about I heard about a major church in another state that I was recently in oh. that that's, has there's some other pastors going out meeting with different groups and repenting of this stuff. <sighs> and then then when you try to explain it, I heard of one pastor telling people you're white splaining <sighs> using that term. See, now I'm gonna guess. I really mean this. I'm gonna guess people who are active in their life. They have a family. They're turning into grandparents like we are. They're busy working in life. They don't even pay attention to any of the stuff's going on. Yeah. And they wonder. So when we use the word repentance mm. or sin mm. or any of these things, you have to realize that we're dealing with people who, people, younger people, who have different definitions of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't just blanketly state it. Right. And, and, they're, and they're socially and culturally informed definitions, not biblically informed. Very good. And then we go to this thing. It's another term that's been used a lot, but it's real, called gaslighting, right? Yeah. Well, not just gaslighting, but uh, emotional blackmail. So here's another issue that's cultural. For me to question whether that thing... See, that's what I think... I can't speak for Elisa Childers. I can't I can't speak for her, okay? But, but listening to her, I suspect this is what she's saying because I think it's really an important point. When you come to the table about what's going on, there's sort of this assumption on the front end that this is of God... And now we need to sort it out and figure out what's real and maybe not real. Yeah, Some people yeah. say. But she's asking the question, is the thing of God in the first place? Yeah. But but for her to do that, she's getting blasted. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. That's what I mean by the emotional blackmail. It's like, wait a minute. That's that's a cultural thing. You're not supposed to question things. Right. Like, why? Why shouldn't I? Right. Well, it's it's it's, it's I just the, want to know if it's real. It's, it's, I, you see it exactly with the transgender thing. Now they've changed laws on the book. Yep. Where if in plenty of states, where if a, a teenager goes to their doctor, yeah, and says I'm struggling with gender dysphoria, and I'm you know maybe they're a biological yeah. man, but they think they're a woman, like the doctor automatically has to assume they're right. Yeah, there it is. You're yep. not wrong. You're not confused. You're. You, I have to take you at your word. Yes. What? See, that's what I'm talking about. That's another phenomenon. But, and it seeped into the church. That somebody, say, that's maybe potentially older, doesn't even know that phenomenon has happened. No, right. that phenomenon has happened. Oh, yeah, and it's everywhere. So for me to even stand up and say, well, no, I don't agree. I'm questioning it. Ooh, man. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. So, Well, even think about this. Go back. Let's just go back to Paul with the Bereans. Like, you could say, well, Paul was an apostle. He's this eloquent man. He, mm -hmm. you know, he had all this knowledge. He, he's preaching to these Bereans at Berea and... And and who are they to to yeah. try to question what he's saying and actually go back and test him? Yeah. But that was affirmed as something good that they went back to the scriptures to make sure what he was saying was actually accurate. Right. And they found him to be speaking truth. Yeah. Like you no, know, what he's saying to us is actually here. And you go, well, we do, we have to do that. We've been given a standard to weigh everything like this, everything that has to do with life and spirituality and faith and sin and good and evil yeah it's been given to us we have the standard yeah so yes we do weigh right. we experience the, and everything that, against that's it. what that's what was meant by canon too i mean this is the ruler this is the measuring standard. yeah we don't need sociology books right and in in let me say that again in again i think we said another podcast when somebody said i need to read these books to understand and my bible is translated by white european males what they've done subtly in their mind they've just shifted authority oh yeah and they're saying the sociologists know more than I can trust my scriptures. Mm -hmm. Right? It's crazy. It's in, it, it's really subtle. Right. But it's real. This yep. is happening. So, um, and, and you're saying it now. I have to have a standard. I have to trust. Yeah. When I say trust, I'm not just like closing my eyes and hoping like a 
you know, lucky rabbit foot. Like I'm convinced right. because of who God is that he actually spoke in his word. Right. No, that doesn't eliminate that I have to work at proper exegetical right. interpretation. And when I do that, as you're finding out in your scholarly studies, Sam's PhD, you find out, oh, I can see why some people have, have had uh, a nuance this way or that way. Right. It doesn't counter-read the scripture. You can overread it, underread it. You can't counter-read it. Right. And I can understand why some Christians may disagree on some passages a little bit. The Bible bit. can't mean something that it's never meant. There it is. <laughs> but you know, because the more you study it, you go, oh, I see why, why, why people may think, you know, you know, there's a question about tongues, for example. Yeah. There are these kinds of things, or a mode of baptism. Okay, I understand how they get there. Now, yeah. I'm, I may disagree with that, yeah. but I understand how they get there. Yeah. I can see the scriptures they're using, and I don't think it's the best, but... And I can I can roll with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can roll with that. But some of these things, you know, the identity thing and sexuality thing, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, and you know, uh, even even frankly, even getting into issues of how the church should respond, we could say ecclesiology, even church discipline. Mm-hmm. The scriptures are really clear Very about clear. a lot of this. They're clear. I was reading Timothy again the other day, thinking about how many people Paul called out, called out by name, called out by name. Yeah, but we're oh, we're not supposed to do that. Well, wait a minute. He tells Timothy, you know, silence these people. Yeah, yeah. No, he says patience, kindness. We've got yep. all that. Yep. There's a whole package there. But yeah, but your job is to silence them. Your your job is to say they're wrong. Yep, you're wrong. And put in men who actually speak the truth. Yeah. And then and then somebody in our culture, oh, that's not loving. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, but See, he says that he gets does into it with a good conscience, uh, sincere faith. His aim is love. Right. And then that well, that there there would be another one since this podcast is just us talking away. <laughs> I mean, even love's been redefined. Well, this is the interesting thing. Love's about, been redefined. If we think about Asbury, you know, again, we're just we're 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 pulling little snippets that we've yeah. read and seen and stuff. And again, we're not making a, a, a you know, we're not coming out with a verdict by any means. Right. Not, but, even, not even trying to do that. But, but we are questioning. But stuff. we're questioning. Sure. We are. And I think that I think that you know, if you study as we will, we'll go into some history and revival in these next episodes. But but we we don't see a very clear preaching of the gospel message. At, at any, from any of these videos that have come out from Asbury, the message that sparked it was it wasn't wrong or bad or anything. Mm-hmm. It, it was just a very generic message on we, loving your neighbor. We need to love each other. Yep, love each other. Here at this campus, we need yep. to love each other. Yep. Nothing really. Yeah, that's fair. On you know, wrath, holiness, judgment, repentance. Nothing crazy on those big gospel themes, but nothing wrong. Um. But again, then when you just you just look at all these videos that come from there, you see a lot of wonkiness. You see a lot of what we what would look like just genuine Christian, you know, worship or something like that. Um, but primarily, though, primarily singing and and you know, quote unquote, worship songs, music, things like that. Right. Not a lot of really robust preaching by any means. Testimony right. sharing, okay. Right. And I've heard that the gospel is more clearly communicated in some of the testimonies that people have been sharing then, even in any of the whatever would be preaching there. Which is good. So you just, you know, you go, I don't know. And you you hear about Asbury, just their history, some of the things they teach as a school, uh, certainly more liberal in their theology than yeah. I would be comfortable with. Yeah, they've I've heard lately that they've corrected a little bit, but yet they still, again, this is things I've heard, they still teach theistic evolution. They still... Uh, assign certain books that are affirming of CRT. Uh, critical some, race theory. Critical race theory. Yeah. So you don't want to judge the revival that's going on there by the school by any means. Right. Maybe that's why it's happening. Why it's happening. 
because they need a revival. They need an awakening because they are drifting yeah. the wrong direction. Yeah, maybe. So maybe these things about yeah. the type of people that are there, the type of things they teach is exactly why there's a revival. But then you go, wait a minute. Asbury has experienced a number of revivals. Yeah, I saw a number of the others, eight in the last hundred years. Yeah, and you go- <laughs> Can I tell you another one yeah. that I thought was interesting? I, I gotta be careful. <laughs> Most of them were in February. What? They were all in February. That's so weird. It was like two in the early March, the rest were all February. I say all, the eight of them. Six of them were in February. Very weird. And you're like, well, it's all before final exams. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> anyway. Isn't that, it's interesting. But you go, like, what is this? this so is, so this... Are, they, are, they, are they, so if it's spontaneous of the Lord, that's the question. That's the question. Yeah. If it's spontaneous of the Lord, why, does, why, does, why does God have a preference school, for February? Yeah. Why at this school in February? Yeah. So, so our laughing is not to make light again. We were trying to be careful. We're not, we're really not, but it is, these are interesting things. It's don't you very think? Very interesting. I mean, if people are listening to saying it right now, don't you find this interesting? It's very interesting. Like, like, okay, of all the places that God could come down and visit his people, it seems to be there. Yeah. At this little place, uh, it's been eight times in the last hundred years. It always seems to be at a at, at the same kind of time period. Well, and and it's it's a Methodist school. Yeah, and it's you know it's steeped in Wesleyan tradition and Wesleyan thought. Yeah. Wesleyan holy, holiness, holiness, and in in that that just is that denomination that theology, all of that is very much wrapped up in revival s type things. Yeah, right. So so again, it just makes you you ask some questions. It makes you say, hmm, I wonder what's going on. Yeah, and you go, well, I wonder why revival hasn't ever happened no, that like again, you know. you know, what happens in this thing then, and this is again is a kind of a cultural thing a little bit, is automatically, well, you're squelching the spirit. You're a Pharisee. No, I'm no, really not. I'm really not. Like no. I, I started this like I'm absolutely fascinated with revival and the history of revival and what's happening in the world and yeah. there's some great stuff out there. Right. And here's, maybe, here's maybe we get that in the future and even refer people to some books. Right. And you know, I that think would that help be helpful. I've heard people say that, you know, if you really want to look at, have a, be, a better judgment of um, Asbury, look at the first three days before, you know, the busloads of people started to show up. Oh, yeah. Really? Because, again, yeah. over 50,000 people Man. came to this place. And that's, again, another interesting yeah, with thing. The school is only, what, 1,500, right? Yeah, it's not that big. It's and a the small city's little school. not that big either. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, the population of the city itself over, like, it over doubled. Yeah. See, so I mean, the city is like, we can't handle this many people. Right. Because it's, 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 it's bigger than yeah. our- Which is interesting, too. Everybody flocks there, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and this is the weird thing is like, okay, uh, this isn't, you know, you, you don't have to go to a certain location to experience the spirit. So why, yep. why are people all over the country- going there as though when they when they get onto the campus or walk into the chapel they've somehow crossed some barrier some weird spiritual barrier where now they are able now because they're there in this physical location to now be a part of this or experience this revival in their own like you could hear about it and you get on your knees right yeah. now in wherever you are in the world yeah. and repent of your sin. If you want to repent, you can go repent. You can repent right now on your knees. You can worship God right now wherever you're at. You can pray with God right now wherever you're at. You don't need to get in a car or in a bus and, and travel however long, you know, hundreds, thousands of miles to go yeah. to. But hasn't that happened though? See, that's what's interesting. That phenomena, like going to Mecca or something, right? Like, 
that phenomenon is interesting to me. Oh, like, yeah. Like it happened in Toronto. Everybody's flocking up to Toronto. It was called the Toronto Blessing. Uh-huh. Or all the, I knew lots of people getting in buses and cars and going. Right. Um, same thing has happened in Roman Catholicism. You know, some kids saw Mary, you know. Oh, yeah. Appar- well, and appar- it's, apparition it's kind of in a wall or something. And everybody travels there. That are... Everybody travels there to have this spiritual experience, which also indicates how hungry people are for something, maybe something yeah. real, right? But man, you wonder. It just, well, again, that's, that's it makes point. me wonder. Like, it makes me wonder. It's human proclivities, sinful proclivities is to just tell me something I have to do. And, and, you know, that's steep in Roman Catholicism too, this indulgences, penance. Oh, we'll go, you know, if you go make a trip to Rome yeah. or if you go make a trip to Jerusalem, you at this pilgrimage or whatever it is, uh, then you will, your sins will be absolved. You will, you will have, you will have for forgiveness. This was wrapped up in the Crusades too. Part of the reason why so many men, they could mobilize so many men to fight in these Crusades back then. Well, uh, they, they mobilized women and children too, if my understanding's right. In the Crusades, sure, because they wanted. That was it. Hey, if you go this, fight, in, if this you go fight a, in this, this crusade, is, this is a spiritual pilgrimage yeah. that you're going to get right with God. Exactly. If you go yeah. fight in this and do this, yeah, and and fight the Muslims and kick them out in Jerusalem and wherever else, like no, you're you're actually doing penance, right? And right. It's a form of indulgence. So again, it's just weird though. Like, oh, I got to go there. I got to. I got to. I got to get there and be a part of yeah, this. Yeah, and, and weren't you were just telling me there was there's one particular guy. I mean, it's up to you if you want to mention him, but like. Not only did he go there, but when they decided to, sh- to the school said, "Okay, we've done this enough now," yeah. which that's interesting. We get to turn off the spigot. Somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's probably facetious, but you know what I mean. Yeah. He then went down the road. You said, "Yeah, thirty over miles over to whatever Lexington, like thirty minutes away." I think and op- and, opened and, up a stadium and said, "We're going to try to keep this keep thing going cranked here up. at the stadium." I'm like, "What is it? That's it's really interesting. What, what are you doing? I don't, I don't know. It's weird. Weird to me. Yeah, it has a bunch." of I know I'm I, I I'm questioning it uh, again, but who am I and what what? Yeah, d- doesn't it doesn't actually change my life at all? Right. Yeah. And I think this is where you have a lot of guys that uh, they they they, and this is this is a part of the Reformation and a reclamation of of the authority of Scripture is this idea of the ordinary everyday means of grace. Yeah. Read your Bible, yep. pray, go be a part of a weekly gathering of the saints and yes. an assembly in a local church. Yeah. Encourage each other in the faith daily so you don't fall back into sin. Right. You know, be a part of the Lord's Supper. Right. And and those ordinary, hear the preaching of the word right. on a regular basis. Right. Confess your sin. Ordinary means of grace. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, recently I was telling some people, I know you maybe have to pay for it if you didn't have to pay for it, but I it was really fascinating to me. Uh, Doug Wilson up yeah. in Idaho, you know, and he's a bit of a prob- provocateur. You know, he just, he, yeah. He, <laughs> That's I mean, I like, I like the guy, like, but, but he, he's trying to push buttons on purpose to try to get people to think and act. And it's very interesting to me. He did this, um, was it 11 steps? Uh, steps to change the world. Yeah. I think there were 11 steps. I, I would tell anybody, anybody listening to our podcast, if you can get your hands on a thing and listen to that thing, it is so good. Yeah. And here's why it's so good. It's so ordinary. It's so ordinary. When you hear that, you're like, well, yeah, 
you know, your week needs to start in worship of the Lord. You need to create Christ the center. You need to raise your family in a Christ centered family. You need to be serious about education. Education is shaping yep. your kids' minds. Yep. If you give them to somebody yep. else, they're going to get indoctrinated. I mean, he just goes down this list of just, and when you hear it, on one hand, there's, n- I mean this, there's nothing like, Right, like crazy, jump right. up on a table, juggle balls, whatever. I mean, right. there's not. It's it's like so straightforward, and I literally mean this. If I would tell every every person listening to this, every young man, every dad, young dad listening to this podcast, Sam, I'm guessing you have you know more younger people listening to this. I don't know, but like if you can get your hands on that, it's like an hour long, yeah. forty five minutes. Yep, and he just hits it out of the park yep. in my mind. He just this. You want to change the world. And it, in fact, one of the things he says in there is the difference between a revolutionary and a reformation. Yeah. A revolutionary wants to change everything today. Yep. Which is similar to what I'm, I hear you saying, because we've already talked about this. There, there seems to be for some, we want fix. this supernatural zap yep. to solve everything. Boom. Boom. Got but it. It doesn't, there. <gasps> it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. And that's why we're going to have to wait and see. These, I, 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 I have to be honest. I'm sort of concerned for like these young kids, who, which is another part of the phenomena of Gen Z and, and the millennials, is all this depression and anxiety that they're dealing oh, with. Oh, yeah. But now they've had this exhilaration for a week or two. Mm. And, and then you go, okay, is this adrenaline? What is this? And, and I hope it's real. But they're talking about their, you know, I was... I had anxiety and depression, and they've had it forever, and they're on medications, and all of a sudden, this experience, they don't have it anymore. Yep. And now, wait. Now, and and, and wait my issue with that- It's probably going to come back. Right? And my issue is, okay, I hope it's real. Now, here's, here's the problem with that, is that there'll be somebody who really did have some experience yep. with the Lord that broke through, yep. and, their, and their anxiety and depression, really, seriously, yeah. might have been dealt with, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Well, they will be highlighted. Yeah. But what about the other 20 or 30 or 50 who then relapse right back in and right. it's just devastating right. to them? Nobody right. will talk about that. Right. And it'll be, and again, not just that it relapsed, it will be devastating. Well, it's, it's the because they thought of you cast out this demon and it seems like you put your house in order, but he comes back with seven of his buddies and yeah, he, makes the, he, makes yeah. the, he makes it's worse than you but ever I just, were. So I feel bad for these kids. I hope it's real. I, so I it's, really do. Man, I hope it's real. I hope, Christian life. I, hope, I hope it's so real. Yeah. I really do. But man, it concerns me. Well, that's the Christian life is about these ordinary means of grace. It's, that's it, all I mean. It's, yeah, just, it's, and it's so, this daily repentance, constant repentance. It's not this big wow, wham, I repented, had this at this event, at this revival, right. and boom, I'm good. I'm good for life. No. Right. And, that's, and let me go back to that. Uh, you know, when Wilson was talking about it, I thought it was just brilliant when he talked about revolution versus reformation. And reformation is this long haul thing. Yeah. Like it's even beyond my life. Yeah. Like I'm setting my family up for when they become thinking about the next generation. Generally. So if I'm a young man with let's say, you know, uh, you know, five year olds, six year olds, eight year olds, I'm thinking about how do I ground my family, yeah. my kids. So when they're thirty and thirty five, yeah, they are living something out. Right. It's not about today. Right. So it's not about getting them in a bus and running them to uh uh, uh Asbury. Yeah. No. Again, it's it's interesting to me. The whole discussion's interesting. It is. It's very interesting. And I mean, I think about all these biblical examples of Jesus and how the crowds, the multitudes were following him yeah. because they wanted to see him do some yeah. miracle. Right. You know, heal someone, heal the yeah. leper, or heal he the did, blind. And he did or, a bunch. Or or feed the, you know, feed the multitudes. And, yeah. and then when he starts giving them hard teaching and saying hard things yeah. about... Boxes of dens, birds yep. of nests, son of man has no place to lay his head. You're going to have to 
you know, deny everything. Yeah. You're going to have to. Oh, gonna, Sam, that goes back know, to the idea of love again. Cost of cost of discipleship. Really? And, and then, you know, John 6 saying, you know, obviously we don't believe what the Roman Catholics believe about that. But, you, you know, like, hey, I'm the bread of life. Like you got to believe in me, yeah. and, that, and, and that belief is you got to forsake everything else. Yeah. And they, and people didn't like that. And and so then many, it's as many of the disciples stopped well, following him. Yeah, it was John six. Yeah. Yep, it's too so, hard. So here's what's interesting. I, I'm sorry, I, I I jumped in there. So I've spoken a number of times the last few years on the nature of, of biblical love mm. because I saw culturally again kind of this mess, yep. and people may not realize in the younger generation. So if I stood up, okay. At, at certain places on the college campus. And I say, you know, um, homosexuality, even the identity of it, is actually wrong. Yeah. And you need to repent of that. Yep. Oh, I guarantee you there would be people upset with me. Oh, yeah. And literally there would be people saying, you're unloving. Yep. You're not loving. Yep. They would. Yep. I mean, it's happened. And I want to go, no, I, actually what I'm doing is loving. Mm. This is the point of biblical love. Right. Biblical love loves the truth. Loves the truth. You can't separate truth and love. Can't. You can't. It's impossible. Right. Because Jesus is, you know, is the way, the truth, and the life. And God is love. Mm. And he reconciled this on the cross. There's yeah. a judgment made against sin, and then he paid for the sin. Yeah. In the cross, it reconciles yeah, it's, this. It's, it's, so it's I don't all have there. a disagreement. You're not, you're not my enemy. I don't have a disagreement with you in the sense of, because, see, see if, when these things aren't done dealt with rightly, what happens is you make a judgment against somebody, a disagreement with somebody. You're you're in sin, yeah. and then they become an enemy. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. It, it can happen. You can you can get to all the way. But you hate this person because of X right. Y Z. Well, that's not what Christ did. Was the opposite. I can t- speak the truth to you yeah. and tell you you're you're in sin. And it's the most loving thing I can do. I actually care for your soul. Right. And so loving, loving, you know, uh, biblical love is a longing, uh, as I, I describe it, a longing, a striving for, a sacrificing for the highest good of another. Mm-hmm. For the glory of God. And what's man's problem, big problem, sin? They need to repent. Yeah. So and the so, most loving so, thing I can do is The tell most you, loving thing I can do is tell you, like, no, 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 turn from this. You're going to hell. Yeah. But you, there's and, a way. It's destroying your life here here and now, and it's going to continue in destruction to in, in eternity. And so it's the most loving thing I can do. Literally. So so again, Alyssa, I was listening to Alyssa Childress say, uh, are those kind of messages being given in these these current this current wave of revival where... People are standing up and you know preaching the truth, yeah. And there's people that are upset about it, yeah. Or is it all again? Well, we're loving and we're not going to call certain things out. We're not going to address certain things. Yeah. Again, I don't know. Right. I want to keep saying I actually do not know. I heard some places that there's some good things being said. That's great, praise God. But I don't know overall. Right. So I guess on that we're just gonna have to wait and see. Yep. Exactly. Well, I think that's a good introduction. These next episodes will be, you know, we'll we'll kind of put Asbury to the side now and actually just talk about revival historically. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's look at some biblical things. Yep, some biblical historical things. Thing, yep. or biblical and theological. First, second Great Awakening. And then, yeah, some history, and then we get into history. What was happening here? Yep, that would be good. That would be great. It'd be really fun. Yeah, it'd be cool. Fun. It's really yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah. Um. So thanks again for listening to the Preach and Persuade podcast. Um. Again, if you uh, haven't yet left a rating. Uh, please do leave a rating uh, on Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast so that it, you know, you, you don't miss when I upload a new episode. I'm kind of sporadic. I'd like to be weekly, but PhD studies tends to throw wrenches and plans and schedules and things like that. Um, but nonetheless, thanks for listening. 
You can also check out our ministry at afci.us to learn more about what we do and read about our ministers and even give a donation if you are so inclined. But have a great day. Bye. Thank you.